Well, I can't recall if I have preached this uh, particular homily last year or not, um, but it's uh, every once in a while, one in 20 of my homilies or one in 30 of my homilies is a is a reboot from an old homily, so I'm going to do another one here because I find this this topic very interesting. I'm going to focus on our first reading, although it does tie into our gospel. In the gospel, you, we see the people wanting to come and to make Jesus king. Okay, So uh, they're... The Jewish people at the time of Jesus' earthly ministry, by and large, their conception of the Messiah was of an earthly king who was going to seize power, build up an army, and go and kick some Roman butt. That's basically what they conceived of the Messiah as. And so this is what we see them kind of doing. They want to, they want to, they want to make Jesus king and, and basically see that come to pass, that whole kind of a political revolution come to pass. And so he evades them and escapes because he knows that that's not the nature of his messianic identity. Going now to our first reading from the book of Acts, something very interesting takes place. The power of Christ's resurrection in this Easter season uh, that we celebrate, we see very clearly in the book of Acts, and we see it spreading, and it's unstoppable. Okay. Um, and uh, it gets the apostles in trouble, so they get dragged before the very same court before which Jesus was uh, given a sentence of death. Is that going to happen to the apostles? Is the same fate going to happen to the apostles? Well, it doesn't because there's an intervention on behalf of this uh, by this one guy, um, Gamaliel, or according to um, Sandy's very sophisticated uh, ancient pronunciation, Gimliel. Okay. So, however we choose to pronounce, joke with the same. So, this this uh, Jewish teacher, uh, Gamaliel, he's, he's very actually well known to this day within uh, rabbinic Judaism. Okay, rabbinic Judaism has, as it's, as we know it today, has as its root these two different teachers. Uh, one of them is a guy by the name of Hillel, and Gamaliel is actually Hillel's grandson. Okay, so if you were to speak to a very, that had to be pretty educated. Uh, rabbinic Jew today, they would know who Gamaliel was, actually. Okay, he shows up like in their sacred writings, some of his proverbs and sayings and whatnot. A very wise man. And he's got some really good wisdom for us. He says, um, look, uh, you know, if this movement is of merely human origin, this guy Jesus, he got killed, his followers are maybe a little bit psyched up you know, they're kind of riding on the steam of the motion that the movement that he set in motion, and it's going to die off of a natural death of its own accord. So just, you don't have to like persecute these guys or throw them in prison. This whole movement is just going to die off if it's just a merely human movement. But if it's from God, obviously we don't want to be, t- we don't want to uh, touch it. We want to have a hands-off approach. So they say, okay, well, that makes sense. Let's just see how it plays out and we'll keep our hands off it. So that was the advice that was given and the advice that was followed. And it was very wise advice and incredibly prescient. Um, what would uh, t- transpire within the history of Judaism for the next 15, 16, 1700 years would be that many individuals would rise up, Jewish guys would rise up claiming to be the Messiah. They would gather a following about themselves they were they were seen uh, primarily or oftentimes as political and military figures, and uh, they would uh, 
get together an army, they would fight, they would get killed, and then their movement that they started would come to nothing. So exactly as Gamaliel predicted has taken place dozens of times. There's been dozens of Jewish men who have claimed to be the Messiah since Gamaliel's day until today. The last and the most famous one is a a guy by the name of Shabtai Zavi. He is going back to the 17th century now. He was so persuasive in his preaching and his gathering of following that he had persuaded a, a near fully half of the Jewish people in the world at that time, both in the Middle East and especially in Europe, that he was the Messiah. Can you imagine that? So half within the space of I don't know how many years, 10, 15 years, he persuaded half the Jews in the world that he actually was the Messiah. And he went to the Ottoman emperor at that time in the Middle East and said, I'm the Messiah, you know, bow down to me. And the Ottoman em- emperor said, you got, you got to be kidding me. And basically says, no, I think you're going to convert to Islam or you're going to die right here. And, and uh, Shabtai Zvi actually converted to Islam. So he came to a really, really disgraceful, um, sad end and really broke the hearts and spirits of half the Jewish populace. And actually after him, there's been no other Jewish person who's claimed to be Messiah in that exact sense. Um, but interestingly enough, his close followers still kind of believed that he was the Messiah even after he converted to Islam. And it was a very strange thing and he died in prison. And uh, the movement actually continued on for a little bit, but it petered off. Eventually, it just came to nothing, and none of his followers uh, ever were gathered from outside the Jewish people, and that's really important. So he had he never had any non-Jewish followers, and his movement was very small. Another another guy, Abu Isa, military leader. This is in the Middle East here in the seven hundreds. Again, gathered a army together. He was pretty successful militarily. Eventually, he was killed. His movement came to nothing. Another real famous guy, Bar Kosiva, going back now in time to the second century. He was so successful militarily that he uh, was actually able to free the Jewish people from the rule of the Romans, and the, and the Jews became nationally independent for about three years. And they actually um, stamped coins uh, with his face on it, and so archaeologists to this day, you know, have coins with his face and his name on it, and so on. They thought he was the Messiah, uh, but he eventually was killed as well, and his following came to nothing. And within the memory of Judaism, they they see him as a false Messiah, and he's really kind of a shamed figure. So now going back to Gamaliel, we see here, he, he mentions two guys, this guy Thutis and this other guy Judas the Galilean. He says, you know, they got this, they were savior figures, they were messiah figures, they got this following together, and uh, they were killed. And the following was disbanded and came to absolutely nothing. Think about how remarkable that Jesus fits the exact same description of all of these guys, except for the fact that the following he gathered together never lost momentum. And in fact, it got so strong that it gathered to itself non-Jewish people. And now it's spread over the whole world. There's billions of people that follow this guy who came to kind of a shameful end. He was crucified on a cross. I mean, you know, his, his, his movement in the days of his earthly career, you know, seemed like anticlimactic, nothing special. It's because the difference between him and all these other guys is he rose from the dead. 
And the proof of his resurrection is the fact that his following never stopped. And it's the power of his resurrection, of the Easter joy, of the Easter truth that spread through the whole world and lit it on fire. And it doesn't stop. So maybe a little take home for us, practically speaking, in our lives. How do we apply this in our lives? You know, this is a metaphor here. The globe of our hearts. Do we let the Easter fire spread throughout the globe of our hearts? Do we let the power of the resurrection fill the totality of our lives? Or do we just kind of relegate it to a small little section? Like, oh, you know, Jesus and that resurrection thing, yeah, that's for Sundays. Or do we rather let it pervade and spread and conquer all of our lives, our moral life, our spiritual life, our relationships, our marriage, our relationships with our children, uh, you know, the totality of our week and our time. Uh, If we do let it spread like that, that's going to be a testimony uh, in our own individual lives to the truth of the resurrection.